the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, anything and everything. All you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com. Or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. If you are driving in your car on this cold, blustery day, the safest way to do it is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen and you will be connected directly to our studio producer. Now, this, as you know, is not just any show today. This is Paula's show. You've tuned into the day, day edition of the program and beautiful Paula is live in studio and looking exceptionally smart today. So thanks for hanging out with me today. Uh, you're very welcome. Yes, it's been my pleasure, actually, that hang out with you today. We had a good time. Uh, you don't re- want to say anything about me being handsome, Ron, or anything? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> did you... I did. I called you beautiful, Paula. You did. You mm-hmm. did. Yesterday, too. And I wasn't looking for a compliment. Evidently, but, you were. But it sort of bothered me that you weren't even thinking about it. I'm always thinking about that. <laughs> I'm, yes, I'm always thinking about that. For you ladies out there, be quick on the comeback. I'm Always thinking about how handsome you are. <laughs> what a blessing it is that I get to be your wife. And I smell good. You, Oh, yeah, for sure. You always smell good. <laughs> <laughs> you are a nut. Okay, well, I'm done then. Okay. So the, rest, the rest of the hour is yours. The rest was Paula's show. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, right. Um, so what do you want to talk about? It's your show. It's my show. Okay, then. Okay, yesterday, no, no, Monday, because I, you know, I like to listen to the show because all of these, um, the listeners, whether I've met them or not, I kind of consider them like Ruben, Ruben's Mama Paula, you know. <laughs> Hi, baby. I hope you're feeling good today. Uh, but yeah, so I, everybody's like my kids, that some of them that I haven't met yet. And so um, I want to be sure to let them all know um, how special they are. Nobody's an accident. Uh, even if you were raised not in a very good way, you know, the Lord says in Psalms that he sets the lonely in families. And we got that time of year coming up. I'm, I'm you know, ministering to uh, several people who are kind of struggling in this time. And I think we talk about this every year. It seems like right before Thanksgiving and Christmas, a, a lot of pe- the winter months, I don't know, it's kind of dark and a little dreary. Um, cold, it's very cold. And it's cold, yeah. In fact, I went outside just a few minutes ago, and I had on my little, I have just a T-shirt on with some sweats, um, and the people are looking at me like, aren't you like Pastor Ron's wife? <laughs> you know, he don't like cold. But I said, I don't like cold either, but I was kind of hot, so I had to come outside. So anyway, um, 
But I want everybody to know that um, Jesus loves you, has a plan for you, and, you know, uh, the leadership ladies, we were praying the other day that um, this is going to be some people's first Thanksgiving and first Christmas without some of their loved ones. And um, sometimes this time of year just kind of reminds you of, you know, some bad memories. You're lonely for that person or this person, and you can fall into depression. And so my um, encouragement, because the Lord has been telling me to stir up my gift of encouragement. So my gift of encouragement, and I'm, I'm just following what we say here all the time. If you're by yourself, don't be by yourself. Let us know. Um, we either want you to be a guest with some of us, or if you're alone at home and you're used to cooking the cookies and baking the pies and um, doing, be a hostess with the mostess, or a host with the most, and just don't be alone. You know. So, anyway, that's my that's my little encouragement spot for the moment. Yeah, you know, this is going to be a particularly tough Thanksgiving year and, and Christmas season uh, because so many people have been lost with COVID. And yeah. I, I mean, our world is going through some things that we've never gone through before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of people, you're right, Paula, who are hurting and need to be around people. Yeah. And because a lot of times they don't feel like being around people, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, they need a little push, a little, yeah. little encouragement. Yeah. And that's what your gift is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, make the pie, and don't <laughs> don't just change your mind because everybody's sitting around the table waiting for the pie, you know. So I, I ordered a Thanksgiving pie the other day with extra gluten. <laughs> <laughs> if people can see my face right now, <laughs> and you want me to call you handsome, <laughs> and sweet, and thoughtful and stuff. That's just wrong, Pastor Ron. But everybody, because I'm married to you, everybody always says, well, Pastor Ron, we're, we're bringing a pie or we're bringing a cake. It's mm-hmm. gluten-free for Paula. Mm-hmm. And, and so I said, well, would you please somebody order one with extra gluten for me? <laughs> I, I don't want gluten-free. I want, I want the gluten that's missing in yours to be in mine. And, oh, you know, Thanksgiving goodness. without pie is not. Yeah. I mean, we'd give thanks for everything. <laughs> But gluten-free pie is hard to yeah, give thanks for. Yeah, you're supposed to give thanks in everything, but you're not. You don't have to give thanks for everything. Yeah. Remember, so you don't have to give thanks yeah. for. But I do. Thank <laughs> you all for thinking of me. Because for a long time, the gluten-free stuff wasn't so good, and you know, we go to buffets and stuff or potlucks, and it's like I could have salad, <laughs> I could have fruit. And now it's it's all different. But anyway, so we digress and we got silly. But yeah, you know what? I want people to have fun. You know, we can be sad, but we don't have to stay sad, you know, and just kind of isolate. It gets worse. The enemy really likes to beat you down when you're isolated. And he really turns up the heat this time of year, for sure. he really does. And I used to go through all that. This time of year, I would go through this this cycle every year until it's all of a sudden it's like the Lord wanted me to say, uh, put the stick in the in the wheel and stop that wheel from going around over and over again. You can you cannot stay there. So anyway. In his presence is the fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. Even when we're sad. Mm-hmm. So on Monday change subject now. Okay. Are you all out there? I just gave you my little bit of encouragement so take 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 the counsel and do something. Don't let the devil win. Don't let him beat you down. So on Monday, you had a, a, a man called named Marshall who was talking about or asking about um, young men being serious about the Lord. And, you know, I'm at home listening, and all I could do is just start kind of listing some of the, the names of guys. And I don't, I'm not going to list names, but how encouraging and how um, kind of proud, in a godly way, proud I was of um, the list that was running through my head in the pastor's discipleship class that we have here, and that's, that's what it's called, and yet it's it should be called something else because the wives come with the husbands and just uh, some ladies. Well, now instead of discipling to be pastors, mm-hmm. it's the pastor, me, discipling yeah. people. So it's still pastor's discipleship. You know what? 
That is genius. Good job, Pastor Ron, you discipler, you. <laughs> but yeah, so I was all I could think of was the scripture that says, "All my sons will be taught by the Lord, and great will be your children's peace." And you know that doesn't mean that every every man who walks in these doors. Um, will be taught by the Lord because there's some that just come here because, you know, maybe they're to keep the peace in the family. There's some that come here because their kids are in the school and they have to come twice a month. But all my sons, all my sons would be Christian sons. And so, and they will be taught by the Lord. And then because of that, great will be their children's peace. And so I was just thinking those who come to that, your pastor's discipleship class, <laughs> um, they want to be taught by the Lord. And in that class, whew, sometimes it's a little more direct than than at church regularly, but more than that, it is um, a little more up close and personal where uh, we can ask questions, just like this radio program. We can ask questions and we can uh, voice our concerns. And that's the class where if we are having um, issues, that we can discuss it and get prayer about that. And um, the young people, the young men, and the older men and women in that particular class, because it's every other Saturday, that's a, two hours, that's a real commitment, but it's because they're serious about the Lord. And, and it's, it, yeah, as you mentioned, it's not just men, but the idea is that when, when young men get saved, when they give their heart to Jesus, um, they're going out into a world that is completely different than the world that I went out into yeah. when I got saved. Uh, I was desperate and, you know, I didn't have social media to turn to. Um, I didn't have a, a million Facebook phony friends. Um, I didn't have people telling me, liking what I said or anything like that. Um, uh, I, I, I really needed fellowship. That's what, one of the things that drove my hunger to be in church. And um, um, the young men now, um, they answer an invitation, they, they surrender their heart to the Lord, and uh, they leave. I mean, church is over, they leave, and they're right back out in the world that they're familiar with, and the, the Christian world they're unfamiliar with, and they're right back in a world that, that consumes them again. And uh, that's why it's important. You know, Paul said, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Um, usually when brand new believers give their life to the Lord, they're really excited about it. Mm-hmm. They tell everybody. But that wears off because this world wears on them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we've been trying to communicate here to people. Don't ever let it wear off. Just be with Jesus. If you're if you're with him, that freshness is always there. Because he's always doing something new. He's always asking you to take a risk. He's always getting you to that place where you have no alternative except to hold on to him for dear life. And that's the place we need to stay. And um, you're right. We have a lot of young men. And we have some that aren't quite so young mm-hmm. but new in the Lord uh, who are really excited and serious about their commitment to Jesus. And one of the things that I think is sadly lacking in churches all over the world is the the, the necessary um, um, zeal that, that these young men and now women um, need to demonstrate in the Church of Jesus Christ. Coming to church is not a, I gotta go, feel guilty if I don't. <laughs> it's a, I can't wait to go. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was for you and me. When mm-hmm. I first got saved, mm-hmm. uh, we, we'd get up on a Sunday and we'd plan out so we'd go to three different churches during the day because there were different <laughs> services and service times. Mm-hmm. And and then I'd go, we'd go to a Sunday night Bible study. Mm-hmm. And and we just thought, wow, I wish there was a later one Sunday <laughs> night. We could go to another one. But we needed, we wanted to be fed. We were hungry. And, um, you know, I can, I can honestly say, Paula, and you're the best judge of this, but um, I'm 30 years old in the Lord now, and uh, I, I'm more zealous than I was back then. And the zeal that I now have is based on knowledge that I didn't have back then. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, really fall in love with your Bible, because if you'll do that, you'll learn more about Jesus. And he keeps getting bigger and bigger and better and better. And he's the only 
human, the only person who will never disappoint you. And that's where our focus needs to be. And it's just so easy to be distracted mm-hmm. um, in this day and age. Yeah. And our focus gets off other things and we start to sort of slowly, you know, sort of slide away from from that, that first love, that first commitment and excitement that we had with, with Jesus. Yeah. Um, you know, and we're talking, the question was young men being serious about the Lord. Because even in that class and even at our church, and I love this in particular, it's not just young people in the class. You know, we've been praying for the lost, the hurting, the hungry, the broken, the needy, the confused, the fearful, and the angry. But before the fearful and angry was on the list, it was, Lord Jesus, bring some healthy ones too. (laughs) And we have a lot of healthy, um, vibrant Christians men and women um, in our church, in that class. And it's just a a, a really cool thing. I was talking to Pastor Alfredo just a few minutes ago before I came back to the the office slash um, studio, just um, complimenting him on the the job he did while we were out of town. Thank you, Pastor Alfredo. Um, When he talked to Book of Joel, where he was saying the elders... And in that particular case, I was telling you this morning, I was, I was just impressed by his teaching. It was about the older people setting the example and exhorting um, the ones who are watching. And man, do we ever, we have that here at our church. But as it's my show today, and I'm the encouraging person today, it was like the Lord was saying, tell your compadres, you know, your older friends, it's time to set the example and be greater exhorters. Here at Calvary Chapel, from the beginning, um, it's been, we don't have really group groups um, by age other than, you know, we have the high school, those kind of things where we can't get everybody in the in the sanctuary at the same time anyway. Um, but in the different ministries, we're serving all different ages together, and it's just a really cool thing. But for the older people, you're so valuable. Um, if you've been walking with the Lord and you're a healthy Christian, you can you can share your testimony. And it's so, you know, Pastor Matthew, um, even though I'm talking about Pastor Alfredo, Pastor Alfredo taught Matthew when he was two years old. And now they're on the same staff as pastors <laughs> together, along with Pastor Matthew's yeah, dad. I, I, just, mean, I just suddenly felt very old. <laughs> yeah, you ought to feel very proud. Oh, I am. In, you know, in a godly way that the Lord has let us live as long as we have. He's given us a life with meaning and purpose and... Um, you know, it's really kind of a, an awesome thing, too, when the when the guys teach, you can hear your teaching kind of style in, infused in theirs. And that's, that's really a kind of a cool thing. It's like I'm the mom and I'm watching our sons emulate their dad, kind of, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a cool thing. One of the things, Paula, let me give you phone numbers again if anybody has any comments or questions, 340 340- 9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR. One of the things that we've been actively encouraging uh, older people in the church, and when I say older, uh, I'm talking 50 plus, 60 plus, uh, and we've got a lot. Yeah. Uh, We we got people that have been with us for the whole 26 years that we've we've been here, and and we have this constant influx of new people. Mm And and I tell the older people, this is not the time in your life to sit back and take it easy. Mm-mm. This time, go grab a young person who just gave his life or her life to Jesus Christ and and uh, take him to lunch and talk to him mm-hmm. and ask him how they're doing and share what God has done in your life. Yeah. Um, there's so much opportunity for older saints to influence younger people uh, in this day and age. And, and, and it's so important because the younger people now are, are have so many different avenues of temptation, so much more pressure, social media pressure on them. 
And sometimes it takes uh, somebody who's been around the block a few times mm-hmm. to sit down and say, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Yep. And uh, boy, the the older people in our church, by and large, have really responded. Mm-hmm. And they are such a source of blessing and inspiration and instruction. Uh, just the one-on-one ministry that goes on is is fantastic. And, you know, sadly, in our culture, old people are sort of dismissed. And when I tell older people, now I'm I'm one of them, when I tell older people that uh, God has a plan for their life, God doesn't let you coast in your golden years. Mm-hmm. Uh, God wants you to burn out. Mm-hmm. He wants you to flame out. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are so many opportunities. And typically, you know, you don't find a 60-plus-year-old and a 20-plus-year-old hanging out together. But you see that in our church. And you see relationships develop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paula, we've talked about this on this program before. Uh, um, when we, do, we have a Sunday where our announcer asks for who's having anniversaries. And and they'll raise their hand. It's where the the Garcias mm-hmm. and and how many years mm-hmm. that they've been married, and and we've got a whole bunch of thirty years marriage, forty years marriage. Uh, some of us bearing down on fifty years marriage, yeah. and every one of us, especially those on the pastoral staff, uh, we've got a whole bunch of people who are in their twenties and thirties whose marriages are in real trouble. Mm-hmm. And and what a wonderful opportunity for some of those people. They, they, I tell the younger guys all the time, when, when you hear somebody's been married for 47 years, mm-hmm. the thing you ought to do the minute church is over and say, can you help us? <laughs> and, and, and they'll do it. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of body ministry. And uh, it's just something that, that we ought to, to, to emphasize. Mm-hmm. And we've done that here with great fruit mm-hmm. as a result. Yeah, yeah. Uh, older people set the example. You know, another thing, too, and kind of going back to the first subject about being depressed, you know, as we get older, the people in our age group are, you know, if they're Christians, they're going to be with Jesus. And so we're starting to lose some of the people in our age group. Um, but those who are still here, don't let that deter you from still serving. Um, there's been a, there's a lot of heroes in, in our body who are sad they're without their spouse but man are they ever serving because they want to let others know that like the Lord told me when you were having your, your heart surgery and the, they told me oh he'll be out in recovery in about an hour well it was almost two hours and the Lord and I were having a discussion and <laughs> And he just let me know in the sweetest of ways um, before he let me know that you were going to be okay. He let me know that, you know, he is just on loan. And I was like, oh, that's right, you know, that that I would be okay, that the Lord was and is my first husband and that I need to get my focus up and um, be able to still minister to those in the hospital, however things worked out. And so I had to get to the, okay, that's right, Lord. Um, I love you, and I'm going to rightly represent you no matter what happens. Um, but thanks for this conversation. <laughs> you know, Paul, I think our, our body is a good example, and, and, and obviously well, this is our experience. Uh, but, but this happens in churches all over sure. our city, all over the world, literally. But... Um, When you stand together, you don't have to go through anything alone. And and the, the temptation as well as the um, satanic um, influence um, sort of makes us feel like, well, we got to go through things alone. Nobody knows how I'm feeling. And, and the, the minute the enemy can get us alone is when he starts pounding us. And that's why these relationships, establishing these relationships... Um, before a crisis or before a trial mm-hmm. or before a loss. Uh, that's why it's so important to do it because when we understand that, then we know we're never alone. we got people that we can turn to. That's right. That's exactly right. So, Lord, this is my prayer. Store up our hearts, so God, that we would never be lacking in zeal, that we would know that we are a part, we are part of 
a larger body. Lord, help us to get out of ourselves and think of others. That's been the theme, too. Others. It's about others. Do others see Jesus when they see us? Do others hear Jesus when they listen to us? Um, are we pointing to Jesus or are we pointing at ourselves? Are we giving him glory or yeah. not? I, I would add, are we needing attention or are we providing attention yeah. to others? Yeah. And the best way to put yourself in that healthy place, Paula, is to make sure that your focus is always on others' people. Our friend Gail Irwin mm -hmm. uh, talks about the Jesus style, that Jesus was the only truly other-centered person in the history of the world. Yes. And we need to be more and more like that all the time. Because as we look out, uh, Jesus is taking care of us mm -hmm. as we look out. Then we're using the gifts that God has given us. We're in the presence of the Lord. We're empowered by the Lord. And then the joy of the Lord returns. Yeah. And those are the things that we need to remember. Yeah. It was awesome. The, I think it was Sunday when you talked about that circle. Yeah. We're on the outside, and the people in that circle are where to minister to. We've got 30 minutes left in the Date Day Show, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our date day show, 340-9585. We had uh, three emails for Paula uh, primarily, but I'll chime in as well. So let's get started, Paula. The first one is from Afraid. Ew. Hi, Pastor Ron and Mama Paula. It's so difficult for me to be submissive to my husband and trust my husband. Now, I want to stop there mm -hmm. and we'll go on that. But it's always difficult to submit. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's to a husband, to the government, to a police officer, to uh, a boss. Mm -hmm. uh, our flesh hates it. Mm -hmm. And what we got to remember is that our flesh, our flesh wants to destroy us. Mm -hmm. And so um, don't, don't, don't think that wanting to be obedient to the Lord is going to suddenly make you happy, you submit. Paula, you used to ask me when you were speaking to, to women's groups, mm -hmm. you would say, is it okay if I tell them I don't want to submit to you? Mm -hmm. And my answer was, of course. Mm -hmm. Now um, I don't even ask you. Yeah. Because I don't want to submit and ask you anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I just know that, the, I know your answer already. But afraid, let me say this before we get the rest of the question Paula's response to you. Let me say that, that, being submitted to your husband is a result of the curse. It was never supposed to be fun. It's a consequence, a punishment for sin entering the world. The only answer for death, for curse, is Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you realize that you cannot do it in your own strength, then you will be available for the Holy Spirit to empower you to do it. And in the process, your faith in Jesus Christ will grow. Let me read the rest of the question, Paula. Mm -hmm. He's not really done anything so bad for me to not trust him or to be submissive to him, mm -hmm. but I just can't do it. I have this generational curse of being controlled. Uh -oh. I see my sisters and mom being controlling toward their husbands as well. I think I have a fear of not being in control. What can I do? And Paula, I would say, afraid you need to be filled with the Spirit. Yep. That's that's the answer. You're you're trying to do something in your flesh, and there's nothing good in your flesh. You can't accomplish anything in your flesh, and you've got to decide that I no longer want to be displeasing to the Lord. Yep. Your commitment has to be to Him. Paula, why don't you take on this yeah. one? Um, in Genesis three sixteen, it says to the woman, He said. I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband. That sounds like, ooh, baby, baby. <laughs> You're the man for me. But it goes on to say, and he will rule over you. Yeah, that same Hebrew word for desire is used in the next chapter 
when when God is speaking to Cain. He said, sin is crouching you at your door, and it desires to master you, to own you. Mm-hmm. So the idea in, in, in the curse is that, that um, as a result of the curse, your desire will be to control your husband, but he has been set by God over you. So this becomes a matter of obedience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was thinking about this today. Um, you notice... Um, afraid that your sisters and moms are being controlling, um, but you know it's wrong because God has established the order. It's it's Jesus, and then the man's the head of the house. And, and I'd add that she can see that it's not attractive in her mom's or sister's homes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm certain um, that the same behavior that continues is wreaking havoc not only on you and your husband, but your children are watching. And if this is a Christian home, um, because kids are very, very astute, they're like, I'm living in a home of hypocrites. And so what we need to do is go to First Peter 3. 1 through 6 is what saved me because, you know, I was thinking today, I didn't even have this question. I mean, I'm just now seeing this. But of the question that you had about the hot-headed wife who wants to argue all the time, um, and your answer was, if we're truly born again, we're Second Corinthians 5.17 people. We change. We don't continue in the same behavior. Um, and if we truly love the Lord, we want to please him and not ourselves. And so... Um, in First Peter 3, it says wives in the same way, and in the same way, in, in chapter 2, it talks about, um, uh, well, it, for the Lord's sake. So you can go back in, in verse chapter 2. Let me see if I just get, get there, because this might be. Um, when, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. And that's what we tend to do. When we're insecure, when we don't want to give up control, and then the, the, we're suffering, and we retaliate, and we get loud, and we're argumentative, um, I was thinking, you know, before I got married, I had to submit to my parents, you know, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And now that I'm a grown woman and I'm married, now i got to submit to another person? No, this is not happening. So I feel your pain. (laughs) But as Christians, the Lord says, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. It sounds like you have a Christian husband. He's not done anything so bad that you're not trusting him. But your insecurity is killing your relationship, first with God, then with your husband, and possibly your children, your extended family, your father, your sister's husbands, they're all watching this. And as the Christian, we're to be the ones who set a difference. And so I hope that makes sense. Um, This is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. Their beauty did not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing of fine clothes. Um, They were submitted to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. And you are her daughters, not your mother's daughter. You are her daughter, Sarah's daughters, the daughter of God himself, if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. It's fear. Uh, it's fear, like you said, your name is afraid in this. You're afraid that if you give control, and that's the killer, we're not in control. <laughs> we're really not in control. We're so out of control that it's making a huge mess of everything. And so many years ago, the Lord just had me because I don't want to, re- I don't want to submit either. But because I love Jesus, He says, "If you love me, you will obey what I command." And He commands me to be in submission to my husband and to other 
authorities in my life as well. But we're talking about husband. I have resolved to obey whether I agree or not. Sometimes I can feel my flesh going up and the Lord's like, oh, kick back, baby. So this is what I have learned to say. Now I have to tell my secret over the radio so Ron will know. But there's some times when he'll ask me to do something and my flesh doesn't want to do it, hardly ever. But this is my resolve. Sure. Or I'm happy to. It's my pleasure. And the Lord has been pleased with that even when it's like kind of through clenched teeth. But I know I'm pleasing God. And when I am obedient and put my flesh down, I'm the most blessed of women. And anything he asked, Ron asked me to do, I mean, it's, really? It's not going to be bad. Like you say in your thing, he hasn't really done anything so bad for me to not trust him or to be submissive to him. But I just can't. No, you can. You just don't want to. And so... Do you love Jesus? Are you really a born-again Christian? Um, does the Holy Spirit really live in you? Do you want to really please him? Because it's a matter of choice. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to take exception, afraid, with the, your use of the generational curse. This is just generational sin. Yeah. It's not a generational curse. Yeah. And Jesus already died that we were free from the control of sin. Yeah. So I want to talk about the huge mess that Paula... Uh, touched on just for a moment because there are messes that you're not even aware of um, that the thing that you're you're not demonstrating is faith in God and in Hebrews eleven six says without faith it's impossible to please God so in the condition you're in right now it's impossible for you to please God that that means you're not fulfilling the reason that you're born it means every time you you go to church and your arms are raised in worship. Um, God can't hear your worship. When you call out to God in prayer, he can't hear your prayers because you shut the door because of your disobedience. So this is a matter of faith. You just don't trust God enough to take care of you. There also might be a, 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 a huge element of pride here. Like you think because you're in control, you're right, or things are going to go better. And as Paula said, um, we're not in control. I spent the first um, almost 40 years of my life thinking I was in control of things as my as things were burning down around me. You've got to be humble. God will humble you if you don't humble yourself. Um, just just humble yourself and acknowledge the fact that apart from Christ, I can do nothing. Now, here's I think the most critical two things. I want you to think, afraid of what you're doing to your husband. You're making it impossible for him to fulfill his role given to him by the Lord. And sometimes in a situation like this, the man has to sort of comply just to keep the peace in the house. And, and you're, you're putting him in a position where automatically he's displeasing God and forfeiting any prospective crowns or rewards that he's going to get simply because he won't sit down with you and say, this is the way things are going to be. Uh, it, it's also clear, afraid that you and your husband are not sitting down together in the Word. Um, God's Word would tell you what to do, and when the Holy Spirit is working on your heart, uh, he will empower your heart to say, okay, I repent, God. And that's important. And then the most damage that's being done here is that you are on your own in this world, not in control, but on your own. Because because of your disobedience, Jesus is unable to empower your life. He's unable to fill you with joy and with peace and with hope and with direction. Husband and a wife, how could two walk together unless they agree to do so? So this is one of those things where you have a decision to make. If I really love Jesus, I'm going to do what he says. Paula mentioned Jesus mm -hmm. said, if you love me, you will obey me. And your behavior is demonstrating that you really don't love God as much as you love you. And I don't want anybody to be in a position afraid where they, they can't be pleasing to God. So I would beg you to repent of, the, of this sin. Uh, I would, if I were you, 
Uh, if I were your pastor, what I would say is for you to call a family meeting and apologize to your husband. If you have children, Paula kept mentioning the what, what children are watching. If you have children, then apologize to them and tell them that mom has been out of the will of God. Mom has been in sin um, uh, because of this pride or because of this refusal to submit. And I'm no longer going to do that. And I need your help. I need you to pray for me. And 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 I, I think that would go a long way to letting the Holy Spirit take your family, put put your family back in His hands, and and say, uh, now let's follow the will of God for your life. And what you're going to find, afraid, is that His will is more exciting, more thrilling than you ever imagined. And those moments when you've got to bite your lip and say no to your flesh, you're going to find out that God blesses so abundantly, so abundantly, mm-hmm. that you can't imagine not being obedient the next time something comes up. That's important. Exactly. So, Afraid, I hope that answers your question. And um, I also am in prayer that um, you will um, not hate us for giving us the answer. <laughs> yeah. In fact, um, I know that you're not the only one who's struggling with this, and, and a lot of people are listening. Yep. Husbands as well as wives needed that counsel because um, the husbands need to sit down with their wives. Don't let things get so far out there. You know, a lot of times um, the husbands will work and they'll work extra. They'll have hobbies and they'll have friends because they don't really want to take the time to sit and resolve these things. So. Okay, Paul, here's another one. This one comes into our email inbox anonymously for us. Um, I have a hot-tempered wife who is constantly making minor situations turn into conflict. I continue to ask her, if she has a problem with me, then let's talk to one another like grown-ups. I recently spoke to my pastor about this, and he mentioned that I need to continue to pray and forgive her. I do that all the time. What are things or ways I can do to help my wife not be so combative? Hmm. Hmm. Well, for one thing, I, you know, I think um, you can make sure you demonstrate how much you truly love her um, and, and have a, a, a peace in your home. Um, but a hot-tempered wife, wow, maybe the situations seem minor to you, and maybe they're not so minor to her, especially if they're a continuing kind of a thing. But um, what's the tone in the house that you are setting? So I I, I don't know. Um, But to be able to sit down and talk like grown-ups, that's a really good thing. You know, maybe not in the heat of the moment. Um, That would be my my counsel. Um, when, When things are calm and and. I would ask the Lord to make sure um, that she would be open and honest with you if there's any anything that we'd be open and honest with each other and yeah. really talk like grown-ups. Yeah, I, I think the problem, we, we've got to get closer, Paul, this is the foundation of this problem. Okay. Um, if you've got a wife that is always angry, she's in sin. And the first thing for you is to determine, as the leader of the household, is she really saved? Mm. Um, uh, this is not a fruit of the spirit. No, love, no. joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is in the list of the bad fruits of the flesh. And and at the end of that passage in Galatians chapter five, uh, beginning in verse nineteen, mm-hmm. it says, "People who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God." Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, apart from the Spirit of God living in her, there isn't a solution. Mm-hmm. Uh, if she is an unbeliever, then you continue to pray for her and to forgive her and to love her. And uh, that's the, the, the counsel that your pastor gave. But if she is a professing Christian, and nobody likes it when I say this, but as the leader of your home, it's your responsibility to call her on her sin. Mm-hmm. If she throws a fit, you've got to sit down and say, now you know this is sin. 
you know, we had a small thing. It wasn't a big deal at all. And you turned it into this major thing and you've lost your temper. And that's sin. Now, I can tell you a couple things here, too, Paula, aren't going on in this home. Uh, this is a husband and wife who aren't sitting down and, and reading the word together. Mm-hmm. They're not praying for one another. Uh, they're probably not active in their church together or serving together. Um, this is just flesh, and flesh has to die. And as difficult as it is in some cases, especially because you have a hot-tempered spouse, um, and this works both ways, by the way, um, it's your responsibility to call her on the sin. Mm. You know, Paula, I, I've, uh, we, we've done so many marriage conferences, and we've even spoken to other pastors and their wives, and they say things like, well, you know, you're, you're going to argue, mm-hmm. we're humans. And so sometimes those discussions get really intense. There's no excuse for that. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse for sin. You know, babe, uh, before you were a Christian, before I was a Christian, when we had our kids, this is what you told me. We will not be having arguments. There's not going to be arguing where our kids can hear that. If we have something we need to discuss, it'll be, I mean, that's even before you were saved. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in a house where mom and dad argued all the time, Mm -hmm. and it was horrifying. Yeah. Now, Anonymous, if you have children, you need to sit down with your wife and say, do you realize what our children have heard you say? They've seen this kind of behavior. If she is a professing Christian, that's simply not acceptable. And so there's a time, and what I told those pastors, you are always your wife's husband, Mm -hmm. but you are always her pastor as well, and you can't let people get away with sin. And that's not to say you're a legalist, you point fingers, um, uh, you know, you're not John the Baptist crying out, repent. Um, But it means that, that, that as things calm down a little bit, you sit down and say, okay, how we've got to resolve before God that we're not going to behave this way any longer. Yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to live a life that pleases the Lord. And I just think we've, we've I don't know whether it's bad teaching, lack of Bible, but we, we just don't feel like we have to deal with sin. And, and in this case, husbands many times don't want to rock the boat, and there's times when the boat's got to be rocked. If you don't do it, Jesus is going to do it for you. Yeah. And so this is one of those things where you've got to sit down and ask your wife, are you really born again? And if she gets mad at that, say, no, I'm not going to let you get angry and stop this conversation. Are you born again? Because if you are born again, you wouldn't act like this. And 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 at the very best, every time she acts like this, it's her flesh. And you can't let flesh rule and reign in your home. So reading the word, praying together, All the other things are really, really important. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the question. Let's go to Harold on line one. Harold, thanks for holding your on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron and Paula. Uh, Hi, Harold. Hi. Share something real quick that my wife and I experienced. You know, we've been discussing, well, you know, on the air how children, you know, when they get married or a certain age, they're supposed to leave the home. And, of course, my son, he's 27, married, and he... Lives in Wyoming. He's a good boy, and um, he had to come down for a funeral of a coworker, and and it was my wife's birthday, and so it was a good, you know, good and bad situation. And he borrowed the car, and he went hiking, and he went to the funeral, and he stayed up late, and he stayed to see Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It took him back to the airport Monday, and Monday night, I asked my wife. I said, I cannot believe how much stress that I feel like I'm under since Harold's been back. Do you feel the same way? She goes, yes, we're worrying about him like he was when he lived here. And so it just made us think <laughs> how much stress. It was, it was so funny, you know, how, you know, you're right. Uh, like I said, he's 27, almost 28, married two years, good jobs, both of them. And I, I don't treat him like a kid, but when he left, I started calling him at 11 o'clock. Buddy, where are you at? Well, I'm at China Harbor, Dad. And, I was about, and I'm like, and I, you know, I, I would just, while we were, while we're married, but while he must have been there, parents, I'm just thinking, us for sure, 
we don't even realize the stress that we're under. I'm going to say the wife for sure. Because, you know, for me, husbands, I go to work and too much is on her plate. And so, it, you know, it's just so much stress just to raise a child, to go to school, to do the college thing, just to do any and worry when they're driving. But I just wanted to sh- share that when I dropped <laughs> him off at the airport. I didn't tell him, but I said, dear God, I worried too much. But anyway, I'll let yeah. you all go because I know we're, I mean, you're almost out of time. Yeah. Yeah, thank you, Harold. Yeah, I Ron and I, Ron and I love the emptiness. Yeah, you know, I think I, I think sometimes we forget that when the children leave, we're supposed to take a deep breath and say, "Whoo, I'm free at last! Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last!" You see, all of the stress that we we exhibit while the kids are with us. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to let go of that yeah. and say, "Okay, Jesus, now it's just us." Mm-hmm. And that I, bedroom's now a craft room. Yep, <laughs> I, I think that's a hard thing for people because we get in the habit of being overprotective and stressing out. Mm-hmm. And when you said he's a good boy, Harold, I love hearing that from a dad. Yes. Um, what you can do is say, "Jesus, thank you for helping us to raise a good boy, mm-hmm. and now he's back in your hands." Mm-hmm. And so. We're going to sit back and just kind of kick kick back and enjoy things. Yeah, he even lives in a different state, yeah. you know, so he has to get on a plane to go somewhere else. Yeah, and I think this is an important call, Harold, because I think there's just too many times that mental transference doesn't occur. It's like when, uh, when Paul and I just moved from our old home of over 24 years to a new home. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go back and, and look at our old home for a couple of times and say, hey, they're not cutting the grass, or hey, the weeds are growing. They, they need to do, it's not my home anymore. <laughs> Your kids are not your kids anymore. Now they're your friends. Enjoy them. Yeah. Hey, Paula, that's the end of the program. <laughs> Thank you, Harold. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. You've been listening to the Date Day edition of The Word to Stand Up for Life. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. Bye-bye. See you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.